Okay, so this might be as much for me as anything else. Um, I'm recording this on Saturday, January 9th, after the... What at the time is the Wednesday that a number of insurrectionists uh, stormed the United States Capitol building. I'm going to talk about that in the context of the kind of things we usually cover. I'm going to send it to Boris, and I'm going to see if he thinks this is actually anything or not. And we're going to go from there. So I'm going to just go forward not knowing if this ever... Um, if this ever gets listened to by anyone. I'm going to briefly argue why I think that gamers and geeks and all of us, we were partly involved in that. And I'm going to talk about what I think we can and should be doing. You've heard me regularly kind of throw up my hands in terms of this needs to be an issue where the government steps in for a number of issues. Um, <clears throat> and in, in turn, you know, you have to play your part in electoral politics. I don't think that's the entire story here. Um, as I go forward, I'm going to try to avoid punching down. I'm going to try to avoid naming names of anyone who I don't think is more than capable of defending themselves. It is more than obviously, obviously... They've, they've done the things that I'm going to allege. So we're going to go from there, and we're going to see how this turns out. And maybe this will be a special feature on Donald Trump, Gamergate, and what comes next. So what got me into this? What kind of was the, the final germ that got me into actually talking about this was Kevin Sorbo, the actor who played, amongst other things, Hercules. Uh, he has been a bit of a geek and gaming icon for a while, and there is a friend of mine who is a big fan of Kevin Sorbo, who I have had a couple of instances of butting heads with because of Kevin Sorbo's choices and where he spends his money. Um, this week, with the insurrection at the, at the American Capitol buildings, he went over the course of four tweets from saying this was a great and glorious thing to essentially alleging this is a false flag operation by Antifa. And this is just one example of the kind of stuff that's been going on lately and the kind of thing that I think we need to talk about. And I think if you have an audience, if you have an audience of any size, even if it's just your friends and family, um... You don't just get to do whatever you want. I, I believe morality exists, and I don't think that you get to do just anything. I think that tied to that is if you have a larger audience, you are commensurately more responsible for things that happen. If you have 8 million people who follow your every word, I think you have a, a higher obligation to them than if you have an audience of 100 people. I, that's not to say I think there should be a law. I just think that, you know, on a larger moral sentiment, I don't know how you'd put a law in place on that kind of specific thing. 
I'm just saying that I think that you have an obligation. And with that recent germ and this widespread shirking of kind of any personal responsibility, we're going to jump back in time a little bit. And we're going to broadly talk about Gamergate and Comicsgate and the surrounding events. Um, so this is back in about... This is back quite a few years ago now, but there was a general set of movements. Um, you could argue there are one movement. You could argue that there are a bunch of different splinter groups, but there was a number of decentralized movements that, broadly speaking, were concerned about, air quotes, the way things were going. This ranges from... Uh, protests against the Hugo Awards for being concerned that the politics behind them were too progressive, to Gamergate hiding behind the fig leaf that was about ethics and games journalism, but instead spending significant time and effort harassing analysts and commentators who weren't involved in that, and, and far less time actually doing anything that pushes for real ethics and games journalism. Comicsgate had its own set of concerns, which again, broadly was against progressivism or inclusivity in comics. Now, each of these can broadly be described as an anti-progressive or a reactionary bent. Uh, a really high proportion of the people, the talking heads involved in these issues we're, we're just, you know, we don't want politics in our art, was a, was a common refrain. But then they'd be, you know, politics in their art was invariably modern progressivism. They were absolutely fine with you know, uh, polemic screeds in favor of capitalism. They were just fine with vigilante justice, they were just fine with the Watchmen, which is absurdly, absurdly political. It, that's just the way it is. And arguing that it isn't or wasn't is either ignorant or disingenuous. But from these decentralized movements, even for those individuals who had to give them the steel man super benefit of the doubt, the absolute best intentions, things quickly took a turn. You know, if you were to legitimately be concerned about Anita Sarkeesian's uh, commentary and analysis, you didn't, affect, you didn't attack the fact that she made money. You would have critiqued her arguments. And very, very few people engaged in a good faith critique of her arguments. The unfortunate reality is that that's what happened. And there are arguments that Sarkeesian has made that I disagree with, but it was never a thing where I, I said she was wrong for taking money and people supported her. And that is entirely just and right. And the 
movement or movements kind of coalesced into a set of vague decentralized principles um, that for the purposes of this, I'm going to call uh, reactionary. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm showing my hand a little bit with the choice of verbiage there. But in general, it was a reaction to a number of progressive causes and ideas and a push for returning to the way things were. Uh, trademark. Uh, a lot of these individuals would hold up the way things used to be as this fabled fabled great past which people smarter than me have pointed out is eerily reminiscent of the idealization of a prelapsarian golden age. And regardless of what an individual's politics were, there was this coalescing of a vague ideology, which was broadly speaking that these progressive people are bad because they want things that we don't want. Which, in and of itself, isn't... I don't think it's inherently wrong. You know, I think us saying Nazis are bad because they want the extermination of the Jewish race, and that's a thing we don't want, are bad. That's, that's okay, but the intense vagaries that were kept in place allowed it to mean countless things to different people to the point where there would be this body of vague gesturing towards alleged hypocrisy or people creating issues in order to find themselves a job somehow and that those who are so often sociological outsiders, which is they were outside of the main bodies of socio-political and economic clout and power, somehow were actually running the show or manipulating multinational corporations to get whatever they wanted done, done. And that set of vague principles meant that, you know, someone who was vaguely concerned that you know, let's say Miles Morales was a, a poor execution on setting up a new Spider-Man, would regularly find themselves in a conversation with someone who thought that uh, black people shouldn't be superheroes uh, because they're genetically inferior. And instead that these people, because they're talking in vagaries, would find themselves in, in broad agreement. And I think that's part of where the problem comes from. So you end up with all these online personalities, these decentralized communities who start to spread what is, is broadly speaking, characterized as an anti-SJW, anti-progressive, anti-woke ideological bent. So instead of being for anything in particular, they're instead defining themselves solely as against something. And they're against functionally things they don't like. Um, and some individuals attempted to, to actually, you know, create a cohesive ideology out of it. But by and large, it would be this this broad body of incoherent 
thoughts that never was fully coalescing. And you started to see an increasing number of people buy into some extremely, extremely troublesome ideas as a result. And I think that a big part of it is because it didn't actually position itself as a set of viable policy alternatives. It positioned itself as, we're going to make you feel better about yourself. Um, I mean, one of the regular talking points that seems to keep coming up is the importance of individual responsibility and individual obligation and how this is somehow this broader, this broader understanding, this broader way of handling the... I got interrupted by a phone call. Um, where was I? So I think that, yeah, referring to the point, it, it, broadly it wasn't a set of policies that were way of making you feel better. And the, the importance of the individual, you know, it's, it's impossible to solve a specific problem caused by policy decisions via policy if you're, the entirety of your position is people just need to try harder, people just need to do their own thing, and the individual is, you know, great and glorious. And the counter side of it is you'd start to see people um, believe that progressives, the left, anyone really left of this this in-group, or anyone outside of this in-group, was somehow saying the individual didn't exist or saying that individual obligation, individual capacities weren't real, which is surreal. I think that, you know... Uh, uh, one commentator that I watch said it very effectively best, which was, if you're trying to solve the problems of an individual, you have to look to individual issues. If you're trying to solve problems for a large group, you need to look for you need to look for political and policy-based issues. You know, I, I would love John Smith down the street to make more money, but you know, saying to him, "We're going to fix policy." to fix his immediate problems, it doesn't super work. It can fix a lot of people's problems, but policy is about affecting most people, and it's about affecting large-scale change based upon norms and averages and the whole, like, uh, that's just that's how policy works. So how does it all this fit into comics and stuff? And what it was was a lot of people would fall into this reactionary pipeline as a result of some criticism, some warranted, some not, of things going on in board games, in comics, in video games, and so on. And, you know, it in part comes from a place of suffering and a place of pain, and I get that. And the difference is, is instead of selling you solutions, reactionaries were going to teach you how to feel better about it, and how to hate the right people. And, you know, as someone who historically has dealt with a lot of anger issues, I understand the ease with which hating someone can feel like it's solving your issues. And you see these trends pop up, and I've seen them, of people have this, this need to hate, this need to be upset by these things because it makes them feel better. It gives them their dopamine hit. So when an event like this past Wednesday happens, and I'm not saying everyone there is a disaffected gamer or whatever, but I'm saying that some portion of that set of people very easily could have started as a Batman fan 
who didn't like someone kind of pointing out that Batman was a little bit fashy. A little bit fascist light, maybe. And they didn't like that. And their pushing back against it led them to this place. I become concerned about what our individual obligations are and what we owe each other and we owe the larger community as analysts and commentators and as gamers and as people who like comics and all that. So I'm going to try to talk about what the things I think we need to do are because on one side, I think some policy changes need to be made. I think that some enforcement mechanisms for policies that already exist um, and have gone largely unused probably need to be dusted off, need to be tuned up and working again. <laughs> You've heard me talk about the importance of actually using the antitrust laws we already have. Um, we here, referring to North America, I know there's a lot of issues around the world. Um, I think that my policy expertise is, is more, my policy and politics expertise is specifically North America. So, yeah. A lot of places that I'm familiar with have a lot of the tools we already need, and they're just not being used. Um, but with where we are, there are a lot of people involved at government levels that are specifically trying to frustrate that kind of change being made, that are specifically trying to frustrate any efforts to de-radicalize, because it's in there political and economic interest to do so and like i mean i don't even know i don't think you can label that as a conspiracy theory with how obvious it is i mean when you have senator ted cruz immediately taking the positions he did i don't know how you get there i don't know how you get there without it being in his socio-economic interest to do so so what, what can we do as individuals? And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, because a friend of mine has a brother who has become incredibly radicalized along these reactionary lines and thinks that the cult, the, the, what is it, the, the, the cultural Marxists are coming to destroy Western society. Um, which is, it's, it's gibberish. Um, and the issue is, is if we have a lot of these people in our spaces, we trigger the paradox of intolerance, um, which broadly speaking goes that if you let both wolf and wolves and sheep into your pasture, you're going to end up with just wolves. And that's not in terms of a way of trying to say that, you know, group A or B is, is lesser than. It's that if you let transphobes and trans people into your community, the transphobe is going to drive the trans folk out. And that maps to every almost every single ideological group. So what can you do? And step one is you need to actually build that community and you need to uh, police your own communities. And that can be your family, that can be your friend group, 
that can be the store you work at, that can be your gaming table. If you take the position that anyone is allowed to sit at the table, no matter what they do or say, you're not helping. If you let someone sit at your gaming table and make jokes about raping the women at the table, you're part of the problem. You are. So you need to cultivate and grow and manage your own community, whether it's your family and whether, whether it's people around you. And that is insanely hard. And I wish you didn't have to do it. I wish I didn't have to do it. I had a member of my own family attack his niece on the anniversary of her sister dying via drug overdose. And he attacked her for political gain, for properly modeling the appropriate behavior in terms of his political ideology. And despite being a Canadian, he's a pro-Trumper. And I had to step in. And it's hard. And if you're, a, if you're a white man like me and you're passing, it can be tricky to support and be a good ally without speaking over them. But you know what? Things are harder for them. So you're going to soak that tricky, hard conversation. You're going to do your best because we're the tanks and the healers now. People are hurting, and if we do nothing, it's not going to get better. So the second thing is about denying the zone. So one of the tools that groups like this effectively use is they try to take up a lot of rhetorical space wherever they can. So what that means is you see it on Facebook. You see the people who are sharing memes all the goddamn time about pedophilia, about QAnon, about whatever. And what that's called is they're dominating the zone. So as they keep sharing information, as they keep doing things, uh, they both create an exponentially increasing amount of effort in terms of trying to disprove them and police them, combined with the fact that humans are not rational actors. Look it up. So... As a result, if you hear a thing a lot of times, you're going to tend to believe it. And no matter who you are, you can't outthink this. You can't guarantee you won't. The best you can do is try to set up systems and processes to check your own beliefs whenever you can. And that's part of what holding the zone means. Uh. So whenever possible, you should shut that down. Um, and that can mean if it's on your Facebook wall and someone starts sharing conspiracy theories about how lizard people are out to drink the blood of Christians, you don't fight them, you don't disagree with them, you delete them. You report things, you try your best to deplatform them. Because while they have a right to hold those beliefs, they don't necessarily have a right to make everyone listen to them. And failure for you to do anything means that 
they, not only do they have the right to do that belief, but they have the right to do so unchallenged. If you don't challenge them, if you don't do anything to try to maintain and be involved in the zone, you are ceding it to them. So next up is hard conversations. And these suck. You've heard me talk in the show before about Nazis coming into the store or Nazi adjacent people coming into the store and how I keep having these hard conversations with them and doing everything I can to move the needle on them. And that's because other than with this show, that is the point with which I can get you know, the greatest reward off of my effort. And you need to make those decisions. You need to make those calls. And never do it if you don't feel safe. But whenever you can, I think you need to challenge these people. And it's not just for them. Because whether or not you move the needle on that person, it's everyone around them. And if they listen to Ben Shapiro, they already know it's not about changing your mind. It's about posturing and the appearance for everyone around you. If you are a person of color in a store that allows one of their customers, one of their regular customers to lip off saying that they are genetically inferior and that goes unchallenged. And here challenging could be, you can't say that. It can be, you're wrong. It can be, get the fuck out of my store. If that goes unchallenged, they see that and remember that. And your space is less safe for them. That can also mean having really shitty, hard conversations with your parents or with your siblings or with your loved ones. And it sucks, but you have a chance of moving the needle there. And if you think you can do it, I think you have an obligation to try. So next up is supporting the things that are important. And this is another part of being either a good ally or a good activist, whatever you want to call it. And what that is, is that if you find something that you like, that you think is doing the good work, and you see that people are attacking it and trying to shut it down, you might have to fight harder for it if you want it to keep existing. You know, if you love your weird little comic about a stay-at-home former Yakuza dad, and you see people trying to shut it down, trying to say that, you know, men shouldn't be like this, we shouldn't normalize men running a household, and it looks like those people are making traction, you gotta advocate in the other direction. So I'm going to bring it home with, with kind of two final larger points. Um, and the first one of those is that you need to know the territory. And like a lot of it, this part absolutely sucks. Because if you don't know what the slang means... People can get away with a lot without you knowing. 
you need to know who these people are and what they're saying and what it leads to. And if you shoot me an email at the thing that I'm sure will get Phil or Boris to add information to the end for this, or if you find me online, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll direct you some places to do some research, to do some resources, because I'm fallible and I'm not the best person on this. I just have an audience here and and I think I need some allies in this fight. So I think that's what I'm doing. Um, and the last point is that you need to deal with the absolutely atrocious reality is that the deck is not stacked in our favor, but broadly speaking, a world about freedom and everyone having a genuine chance and policies that are based upon data and reason and findings rather than vague feelings of how humans ought to be. If you believe in those things, which I do, and I think if you're listening to me, you probably you probably do too. If you've made it this far and you're not just angrily trying to dox me. I think that some of what I'm saying is resonating with you. Maybe not all of it, but you know, if you're broadly thinking, if you're broadly thinking, jeez. <laughs> if you broadly think that, you know, gay people should be allowed to exist in society. If you think that Shit is really unequal right now, and we gotta figure out someone to solve it. I think you're gonna you're gonna hear some of what I'm talking about, and you're gonna you're gonna feel what I'm saying. And you're gonna kind of get that the deck is more than a little bit stacked against us. It is so much easier to throw out there a false conspiracy theory ridden claim. And it's so much harder to disprove a lie than to say the lie. It's an old McCarthy era tactic of allegations are written on the first page, retractions are written on the third. So it sucks. I, I, I think that The principles of equality, of, you know, democracy, of all those things that I think so many of us grew up in and believed in. And whether you're, whether you're one of those vague conservatives who is disgust with what's happening and you just think that you know broadly speaking maybe we should have government try to assume the most efficient case which which I, it, broadly speaking i agree with i it's why i support for example putting more money into the tax collection is because it, it makes money um or whether you're a full-on socialist we're in a battle right now and 
the issues are whether or not people get to exist in a public way. And I don't think... And I think on that issue, there's a lot of us that can ally and get that one cause done and get rid of these reactionaries. And then we can figure out amongst ourselves what we think the best next step is. And we can convert them and we can bring them back and we can get them to understand that, you know, <laughs> thinking gay people are people too. And believing in 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 data rather than a fetishized fake rationalism based on anecdotes is that's that's important and i'm not so hopeful as to quote martin luther king jr and say that the universe tends towards justice because I'm not convinced that it inherently does. What I am convinced by is that broadly speaking, we're making progress and we are getting better. But that means fighting for it and that means voting and that means being involved. And that means taking care of your corner of the world. And I think you got to do all those things. Thanks. Take care of yourself and I hope you're doing great and I love you.